Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Today is the last day, the very last day. At midnight tonight, you will no longer be able to get the $1 for 12 months to the Athletic. It's our Black Friday deal slash Cyber Monday deal. It's the best deal you'll get all year. If you're curious about the Athletic, it's an easy way to check it out. It's $1. Just a dollar. Come on. Easy way to support. And you can support our podcast too. Theathletic.com slash down to dunk. You can also listen to the show without ads, which is a uh, great way to listen to the show, I think. Uh, and with me today, as always, on Monday, is Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Well, uh, this week I started a new diet with my wife. Oh. We only eat vegetables. And so if I say something very stupid or or, or very, <laughs> or I get angry, I will blame the food. This is only for a week, but I'm already um, in need of, I don't know, carbs, oh, meat, no. fish, whatever. Yeah. Only so. vegetables. Wow. Yes. You know, watermelon no, is a vegetable. Like no peas, no, uh, peas. like, like no beans. No beans. You know, all, no beans. No, what just, just, just fruit and, 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 and greens and like not too many carrots and potatoes. That is, I don't know. I don't know. What are you, like, what are you talking like, What are you eating then? It sounds like you're eating nothing. What you exactly. Eating? Water mainly. <laughs> Wow. Oh no. Oh no. Uh more oh no's. I don't have you have you heard much about what's going on in Oklahoma, McKelly, with regards to the football teams? Yes, I heard that, that something very crazy happened that like no one leaves Oklahoma uh football but like the coach of OU yeah. left. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, he's gone. It's it's big news. Big news here. You got uh you got any ideas for replacements? Alex Spears is one to know. Oh me? Yeah, you. Like I, I have no idea. I, I probably can't name another, uh, oh, like NCAA football coach. Yeah. Well, maybe, 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 maybe the one of OSU, but I don't think that that will work. Yeah, no, that won't work. <laughs> it's not gonna work. Oh man, as an uh, Oklahoma State alumni, I can't get enough of these stories. <laughs> it's been just maybe the best college football weekend, uh, in my life. And just, you know, it's just been fun. Uh, speaking of college sports, the Gonzaga Bulldogs faced off against the Duke Blue Devils over the weekend. And one fascinating like game, great game that those two played. The Blue Devils won 84-81. But even more exciting is that you get Chet versus Paolo and... Boy, was it a fun matchup between those two. So I thought it'd be a good time to kind of break down both of those guys. I'm sure a lot of you guys that listen to this are familiar with both of them, but I thought we could just kind of break down their games a little bit and discuss what they can and can't do, how they would fit with OKC, uh, all of that. So you, let's start with the number one pick, which will presumably be the number one pick unless something changes. Paolo mm-hmm. Bunkero from yeah. Duke. Uh, he's a forward. He is crazy strong, crazy skilled, yeah. and kind of showcased all of that uh, against Gonzaga. Yeah, uh, to be honest, like full disclaimer, I watched probably 30 minutes of Paolo and yeah. two one and a half games of Chet. So for me, it's very early. But let's let's discuss 
that first half against uh, Gonzaga because I mean when when you see a player dominating in that way against legit defense because Chet was guarding him uh, for the beginning of that first half then he had a few fouls so uh, a few decided to to sit him which I don't know um, I have my theories about fouls in the NCAA but anyway. Um, like the fact that he was comfortable in taking uh, pull-ups from two, uh, from three, um, either threes, yeah. like it, the three ball was either from the three ball or in sort of spot-up situation with range. I mean, if you have a six ten guy who is, as you, as you mentioned, as strong as hell, um, he can really play all three levels because even when he gets close to the basket, it's, he seems very comfortable. Uh, very comfortable using his his body, his shoulders to to finish at the rim, mm-hmm. and then you see him like toying with the three point line in that way. Yeah, he he was just like so confident. And if you want to find something wrong about Paolo, is the defense. I mean, in that in that game, he was okay. He was just not putting too much attention into that into that. So. To me, like I even texted you, probably it was uh, was it Friday, or or I don't remember. I texted you. Close your eyes for a second and imagine yeah. Paolo as your starting power forward. Like, I think it was Friday, yeah. can you imagine? Like, he's such a natural fit for for what OKC is doing. Um, of course. Yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah, because he the Thunder lack like a another like really good score is what they lack. Like they've mm-hmm. got like the passing, the connected tissue players, like they're all ready to go. You have Giddy and JRE. You have Dort who's becoming like a better connector as well. Shea is already that. And right now Dort and like, like let's be clear, like he's doing a really good job. Uh, but Lou, if Lou Dort is your second leading scorer, uh, you have some, you have some making up to do in the scoring department. Yeah. You add a guy like Paolo to this kind of team, like boom, like Dort's your third score or your fourth score now, depending on where, how Giddy develops. And you give Josh somebody like a real legitimate target, like cutting Mm -hmm. and uh, like the fit would be seamless. You could put him next to JRE, both like really strong guys. Neither of them are that big, but if you can get Paolo to commit to the defensive end, which if he plays for Mark, like you have to, like that's yes, you just have to. You don't. It's not a choice whether you commit on the defensive end or not. It's either you play or you don't. Um, Mm -hmm. But you're going to commit to the defensive end. Then you're talking like real switchy can score from multiple places on the court. You still lack shooting. Like that's the only thing about that lineup where you're just like, oh, like I'm- oh it depends. It depends. It depends on a few things, um, which is like, if Giddy is your only real non-shooter. Yeah. Um, I mean, like- I understand that, but I mean, like you, you lack somebody where it's like you, the ball swings to them and there's panic on you know, oh. for, for the defense. Oh, yes, I mean, but, but like there the will Thunder be. The Thunder don't have that guy. Not on the move, not on the move, but like if you have, like imagine like switching um, a guy that can shoot the basketball, even not like a premier yeah. um, shooter instead of Baisley, which like defenses are just not going, going to guard. 
No, um, shouldn't. That will change spacing dramatically because on Dort, they are already closing out. Yeah. They're not leaving him. Yeah, no, they're not leaving um, him anymore. They're not going to leave they are leaving for long either. Exactly. However, they're point. not going to panic when it swings to him. Yeah, but like, yes. Okay, I, I agree. If that is, yes, but it's enough to have two players on which you panic. And yeah. Shea and Shea and and if if it's Paolo, it's Paolo. Um, yeah. They they will panic yeah. when the ball swings and they are open. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm, man. I'm. I like what they're building. I I enjoy watching this team. I mean, like I just flat out enjoy watching this Slender team. And there's yeah. a lot that they lack, but you can feel this team is ready to have somebody plug in. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of, I think I've been thinking about Boston lately because like the way that Boston was set up is not dissimilar to the way that OKC is set up right now. You know, back in the day where it was like, oh, they have this like tons of picks coming. They've got these players, you know, these like really nice like blue chip players. And like all they need to do is like add just a few more pieces. And they never really developed like a system there. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't have, like right now they have zero point guards, really. I mean, Schroeder is there, but Schroeder's not, I mean, Schroeder's not like a point guard. He's like a scoring guard. Uh, yes. And then everybody else is like, has very specific skills where it's and the problem with Boston right now is like everybody plays very selfishly. Well, it's because they don't have anybody to really spray the ball around. Mm-hmm. And the Thunder have like multiple guys that I feel are ready to take that. And it's also why I look at this upcoming draft and think about how important it was that they drafted Giddy in this draft. Because if you, let's say they drafted Kaminga and you head into the next draft and you got lucky and got the number one pick. Talent through the roof. But do you have like a, man, do you have a sustainable like offensive identity with those guys? It just feels like if you had SGA, Kaminga, Dort, Bunkero. It's like like that fit is just weird, you know. Like it's, yeah, like yeah, it's it is. Not, it doesn't feel cohesive. Now, perhaps that group that I just named could end up being the more talented group. Like, there's a chance mm-hmm. that that happens, but you'd have to really try to figure it out to make it work. The fact that they got a lead guard in Giddy in this next in this draft. And Vicini was talking on his pod about this, how there's really no lead guards in this next draft. Mm-hmm. And like the best lead guard is like, you have to kind of squint your eyes to see if it's a real lead guard. Like, I think it's just so important that they did that because it, it helps shape the identity of what they want to be, you know? And it also like, to me, the more I think about it and the more I look at this team, they were never drafting Kaminga. Like that was never, I bet you that was never on the table. No, I bet you. I bet you he was. Book night thing was real. No, there's, there's no way they draft Book Night. Like, there's just no way Book Night can't get off the bench in Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, there's just no, there is no way they were going to draft either one of those guys. I think that it was either going to be Giddy or Barnes or Mobley. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. I think it was going to be those guys. Yeah, yeah, and they knew that that was an option on their table. Um, they were, but even even Suggs, I, I think that with with, with Jalen Suggs, we we have to wait. I know that that, that has been bad, um, but at least I mean he he's maybe the ceiling. We are kind of seeing uh, some 
like you can see it there i mean it's not far in the future like uh yeah he may not be um he, he may not end up being a scorer uh, in this league but but still defensively he has some some tools and mm-hmm. and he still compete so if you know that whoever drops between giddy Suggs, barnes and mobley is fine with you yeah then mm-hmm. then yeah. no one else is uh need need to be really in the in in the discussion right yeah i mean they, their evaluation may have been listen like we'd like to have jalen suggs but the difference between josh giddy and jalen suggs to us is minuscule so like yeah. we're not giving up two first rounders to get jalen suggs like we're not doing yes. that you know maybe we give up one and then the magic are like no way we're not doing that and it's like okay well the choice is easy yes you know? now the conversation with toronto may have been different because there were even rumors on draft night that Thunder were trying to get a deal done with Toronto. And yeah. my guess is to get Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Like the difference between getting Scotty Barnes, well, defensively, the, the difference is massive, you know? Mm-hmm. And offensively, they're very different players. But, you know, he's there's a lot more in Scotty Barnes' bag than we thought. And that matters. It matters a lot. Um, Let's talk Chet a little bit, because I think the, the fit with Moncaro is like seamless. One, he's a great mm-hmm. scorer. He's a good passer. He can grab the ball and push. You know, that's something that we talk about a lot is how they want guys that can just grab the ball off the rim yes. and run with it. Um, he can do that. Uh, he's, I mean, he offensively, he's pretty much everything you would want out of a power forward and hit step back threes. He can, you know, hit stuff off the dribble. He can do everything. So, yeah, he's... Uh, pretty easy number one pick there. Uh, Chet Holmgren is complicated in so many ways and exciting He's in different. so many ways. He's different. That's and that's what's so hard about evaluating him. And the thing that the thing that I think about though when I watch both of them is like, you know, who would fit next to both of those guys is JRE. Like he can f- yeah. he can fill the role of whatever the other guy can't now. Maybe with Boncaro, you wish that that Jerry was like three inches taller, you know, to play yes. with him. Yes, and a little bit more of a shelf blocker. Yes, but with but you just play a different kind. Like yeah. it's it's not necessarily true that what Jerry is right now is is future on the Without on the defensive end. Without a doubt, yeah. So I'm not saying that he will necessarily grow two or three inches in the in the summer, but maybe he will leverage more about his athleticism, his timing. Um, like blo- blocking shots is something important, but Raymond Green was never a lead in... No, never. ...in shot blocking, but he knows how to protect the rim. He knows how to put his body into the into the offensive layer in order to, in order to deter the shot. Yep. Like all those things, I mean... Yes, Draymond had this mean uh, demeanor from the beginning. He yeah. was going after your lunch every single time yeah. uh, and the dinner. Um, maybe Jerry is not that, but I've seen him switch on James Harden and being mm-hmm. very, very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can build a successful defense that is switch heavy. Uh, now, you really need to have someone that can be effective against a big guy. Yeah. And Draymond is. Like if you put the uh, Joel Embiid on Draymond Green, he will make him work the entire night. Yeah, he may win the one-on-one battle, but in the end, you he would probably lose the game against Golden State. Um, and so if if Jerry reaches that level, 
then even if he's not not a shot blocker, it, it can work anyway. Yeah, having and then having Chet next to JRE, I mean, his he could average two and a half blocks a game. You know, like that, yeah. that could be a thing where it's kind of similar to like Perk and Surge and in in a different way where like Perk was just like this like solid like positional like quarterbacking the defense and then Surge was just kind of your like freelancer you know shot blocker clean things yeah. up you know you funnel things to him and Chet will Chet would be the same yeah. in in the NBA for sure um because he's yeah, you not use the right big, big you use the right word there uh, funneling mm-hmm. uh, like that pick and roll defense between Tabo and and Perk was special because they they were able to basically take out all the uh, the options yep. besides getting at the rim mm-hmm. with a certain angle and then Serge was there mm-hmm. like that was a special defense and right now probably the the floor is a little bit more spread so it's harder to do that they used to cheat on the three pointers on the on the opposite corner way more than what they do mm-hmm. um but still you you're right uh put a guy like jerry and a guy like dort in a pick and roll defense and have chat just being there yeah uh drop him or use him as a weak side defender and then yeah yeah that length is uh is something i yeah. mean and you can see we, we're Jimmy. all scared like about playing that, with the Jimmy, they kind of do that in gonzaga mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and Jerry, you can you can argue that Jerry will be a better defender than Timmy for his entire life. So, yeah. no, Timmy Timmy's not ho- horrible, he's not horrible. Uh, but he's but he's not he's not a, def- a good defender. Yeah. Um, if he were, like we were talking about, like a much better prospect. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. So, Chet, I mean, he he's got it all, but this, but like the the thickness, you know. He gets bodied by guys. And and I know that like the stuff that sticks out to people is going to be, you know, Bunkero going right at his chest and moving him and finishing, you know, with his right hand there at the rim. Mm-hmm. Like that's I think that probably sticks out in everybody's mind with regards to what are we you know, what are we gonna do with regards to, you know, picking one or two. Like it I think that you could just show that clip and be like, okay, that settles it. <laughs> you know, like that's like that's all I need to see. But the ceiling is so high with Chet. And if you believe in the develop the development that can happen in Oklahoma City, like you have to be pretty tantalized with it because like the shot looks good. Uh the timing on shot blocking is there. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot to clean up. Still defensively, he's got a lot to clean up. He leaves his feet way too much. Yeah. Um, especially when closing out. Like he's got enough length where he doesn't have to jump every time. No, you just you just raise your hand and you already make the contest. But he jumps too much, and that's and that's something you can clean up. Like that's that's something that you can teach. You know, there's a lot of teachable things within just his like core skills that I feel like can be taught. Um, but he can score, and he can score off the dribble. He can. Sc- he's great in transition. Although the center team doesn't get out in transition all that much, but like you can imagine, like Chet getting out on the break with Giddy, and it's like you're like you're toast because those guys are mm-hmm. going to score because Chet is has length upon length upon length, and Chet is going to play the power forward center position. You know, with Poku, yes. it's it's like more. A lot of, they they get compared to each other because they're, you know, skinny, skinny, tall and skinny white guys. You know, like that's why they get compared. 
but Chet's a big and Poku to me is still a wing. And yes, I mean, just having those guys out on the court together uh, would just be hilarity. Like it would just be yeah, so, crazy so much length to see them. so much length. Like, and then they together weigh, you know, less than 400 pounds. You know, it's, <laughs> it's wild. Seven footers, less than 400 pounds combined, where like Shaq was like pushing that in his final years. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I was listening to the telecast and I think Mike Schmitz at a certain point said that we, we had all the same discussions about Mobley, uh, about he was too skinny. Will he be able to sustain contacts yeah. at the NBA level? I don't think that Mobley was not that the, skinny I was gonna say, uh, ever. He's not, he's not this skinny. He was skinny. Exactly. Certainly, but not like He was skinny. Um, and he's clearly extremely impactful at the NBA level, no matter what. Yeah. Um, so for sure, if you are an elite shot blocker in college and your timing is great and your defensive instincts in terms of where to be, uh, not just being just like the fact that, that he's jumpy is a problem, but is a correct, like mm-hmm. one that you can easily correct with yeah. reps. Mm-hmm. Um, it's maybe because he wants to, to get blocks, which is something that uh, a guy that is born in 20, like 2002, is that right? Or 2003? Um. Gosh, why does sports reference not have it? Um, Probably 2002. I think that is right. Yeah, I mean, you may want to get some blocks. It's nice. Um, but if you understand, like, defense in space, which mm-hmm. seems to be the case, then that link will, will do a lot. May 1st, 2002. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's Chet's 15 pounds lighter than Mobley was. In college. Yeah, which is not nothing. No. I mean, look at Poku. Like, would we want Poku to have 15 pounds more? Like, yeah. (laughs) Like, we'd take it. We would absolutely take it. Um, Chet Chet is a project, though. Like, Chet's, like, I think he's he's more ready than Poku was day one Mm -hmm. to come and play in the league. He's got, like, definable skills. You know, he... He's played high-level basketball for a really long time, Chet has. You know, he played yeah. on like some really good high school teams in Minneapolis with Jalen Suggs. You know, he's played with guys that are good for a long time. And Poku has very little experience playing with good players. Yeah. Um, and on good teams and on high-level teams. Uh, you know, just the competition in college basketball that Chet's getting this season, I think, is going to be really good for him. Uh, I still think he's a very modern player. I think he will shoot the three. He hasn't shot it real well. He's not been very good off of um, spot-ups this year. But offensively, in every other way, like you go look at synergy, and it's excellent, 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 yeah. excellent. And the three will come. Um, the three will come, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 there is an history, and there are many things that you can doubt about, about Chad. Like, shooting was not one of them. No, I don't know. And hey, maybe, maybe, maybe it will take a while. But the motion seems fluid. Uh, I watched him play him against against Wembanyama in um, U19 uh, last summer. It was, mm-hmm. and he was letting it fly with ease. Um, so it's uh, it's just a matter of like giving giving it time, and it will be there. I think so. I agree. He's a project, but nevertheless, I mean, you have someone that can probably impact the defense quite early in his career. Yeah, and. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of, uh, part of me just like really hates the Poku comparison because I don't think mm-hmm. it's fair to chat, you know, and so so it's fair to Poku. Poku is great. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, and here's the deal with Poku as well. Like we just rush so quickly to what we want him to be. Yeah. Like the day we, we drafted him, it's funny because the day we drafted him, it's like, this is a project that will take yes. a long time to see, yes. to see it come to fruition. We are just, we're a little bit over the year mark from when they, they the year that they drafted him, like a year away from it. And people are all like, already just want to be like, well, what's going on? Like, why isn't he playing more minutes? I mean, if you were to on draft night say, hey, listen, in his second year, he's playing off the bench. He's playing about 15-ish minutes off the bench and mm-hmm. contributing, and he's learning, and he's getting better. I think on draft night, we'd be like, cool, that's great. That yes. sounds like good progress for him. But we look at it now, and we're like, man, like, why isn't he playing more? Like, he should be starting, he should be doing this, like, this should be happening for him. But when the Thunder signed up to take Poku, it was like, he's going to be a long-term project. He's, yep. you know, he's two years away from being two years away kind of thing. And, yes. you know, I do think he's making progress and we're seeing that with him, but he's, I think we need to give him more time yeah. without a doubt. Hey. Yeah, um, I agree. And to me, one of the issues that uh, I, I discussed it with John and I probably will talk a little bit more um, about that in one of the next <clears throat> question of the days and, and stuff like that is I think that um putting him in a box is wrong but giving him playing time with guys that are clearly better than him yeah would i think it's helpful for him it would be helpful to see well look you you want you you can be the, the starting power forward if you hit your trees you play good defense and you freestyle a little bit mm-hmm. and i think that there is I mean, I don't think he would be bad in that role because he he is a quick trigger tree. Um, so he's, he could work perfectly with Didi and Shea. Now, if he, if he keeps being like a sub 30%, it doesn't really matter. But I think that if you give him clean shots and you play him more into a system where you have better guys around him, I, I think that, that, could, um, that could work. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think absolutely. I I don't know that we'll see it this season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't know that we will, because I do think they. And as long as Baisley's on the team, I think they will continue to give it to him because I do think that they like the way he competes on defense, mm-hmm. and the, they like the way that he holds up against bigger players on defense. Mm-hmm. And strength wise, I think Poku is not where they want him to be yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that they want to bring that on slowly, which is okay. I mean, Poku is is really a thread the needle type of situation where it's like if like if we don't do this correctly, it's you know he's going to be out of the league, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, and, I still will try to run him a little bit. Like yeah. I, I threw the idea. Uh, okay, you don't want him to start. Fine, that is. That is okay. That is something that doesn't need to be there necessarily. 
But what if Baisley is the first guy that goes to the bench? And you play two, three minutes of Shea, Giddy, Dort, Poku, and Jerry. Just two, three minutes. And then you start with your rotation, your usual rotation. You put back basically in that he may get a lot a longer run against the second second unit guy, maybe with Mike Muscala, that can help giving him space. And hey, maybe the point is if we do that, we will win more games. Therefore, we are not doing that. Uh, and and that's that's completely fine. Um but um to me. Um, it makes sense to to at least try to give Shay uh, to give um, Poku a little bit of run with Shay Gideon Dort. Yeah, no, I, I I think I think so too. Also, just for selfishly, just for my viewing pleasure, I would like for that to happen. Exactly, <laughs> so. mine too. Mine too. I have to I have to wake up very early to watch some to watch yeah. the Thunder. So please, yeah. coach, please Come make on. that happen. Come on, Mark. If you're listening, Mark, please make this happen. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And we're back from that quick break. McKelle, the Thunder, play the Rockets twice this week. And the Rockets are on a little streak of their own. I think they've won twice in a row. 
Wow. They're up to three and 16. Fantastic. Uh, which is great to hear. Uh, a lot of that is because their star player, Jalen Green, is not in the lineup. Um, like, oh, man, like who could have ever thought that the Rockets would get better without Jalen Green in the lineup? And that's fine. Like The truth is like it doesn't spell anything for Jalen Green's career, mm-hmm. but a high-usage rookie who doesn't have any clue what he's doing on defense and is not efficient at all, like taking him away is going to help you. And yeah. I think it's actually like pretty good timing for OKC to not to play this Houston team without him. I think he'll still be mm-hmm. out this week, and hopefully they don't win both the games. <laughs> you know, that's kind of yeah. That would be already a win. Like going split the difference, please. Yeah, like give me one, one on one. one with Houston. Like win yes. tonight, lose in OKC, or flip flop that. I don't care. Like let's just let's just make it happen because that, I mean, that would be a big deal record wise. Then they would be, I think tied with Orlando, you know, mm-hmm. and Detroit. Like that's great. OKC's okay, so only won six games. They're, they're, they're currently in the reverse standings are six. Um, and they're only half a game back Not to San bad. Antonio. They are two and a half games back of new Orleans, Detroit. And then, um, I think like almost three full games back of, Orlando, Houston, which is like, that's like, that's great. Like they're where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they missed some time with SGA. Like they lost all those games. Great. Cool. You know, they've lost five in a row. They're three and seven in the last 10. You know, that's, you know, that's where they should be. Uh, and that's kind of the, the mix that they're going to be in all year. So I'm interested to see how they play against this particular schedule, though, because this could be if they win both the games against Houston, like that's interesting. They get Memphis in Memphis without Jaw on Thursday. Uh, they have Detroit uh, on Monday, and then they get Toronto the following Wednesday. Uh, we're talking four of those or three of those teams are below 500. Memphis is right at mm-hmm. 500. It's like this is a soft, really soft part of the schedule. And if they win four out of five or three out of the five, like, (laughs) I I mean, three out of the five is not crazy. Like, it's not crazy to think they beat Houston twice and then win one of like Memphis, Detroit, Toronto. So it's kind of, this is kind of one of the bigger stretches for this team with regards to uh, short term planning. You know, this is this is you want to lose at least three of these games, if not four, if not all five. But I don't, I don't think they lose all five. <laughs> no, no, I don't think, don't. I don't even think they they will lose like three of them. Um, it's uh, hard. It's hard to lose playing three I mean, and five, three and three. If and two. they play, if they play like they did against Utah and and against. Oh. The, the Wizards, well, they will go for Here's the one for, thing, McKelly. Here's the one thing is that they do there's not no have... There's no Kenrich. There's no Kenrich Williams. And we yeah, are but, going to see the impact of Kenrich because he comes in and changes things. He changes energy. Yeah, yeah it depends. It depends. Who are you playing instead of Kenrich? If you play Ty Jerome, it's, it's, it's not the big of, that, that big of a deal. If you play Teo Maledon like huge yeah. minutes, then yes, it will change. Yeah. So it... Anyway, it's funny that today one of my friends, Italian friends, put up um, a picture in our WhatsApp chat about Kemba Walker being 
like in the oh, like first percentile of guys that are uh, the worst in terms of plus minus um, on off rating at minus 27.2 uh, point differential. I said, well, let's see how OKC does in this category. And my eyes were caught about from by Jalen Green, yeah. like minus 32.7, zero percentile, like the yeah. worst of the worst uh, at 550 possession. Uh, the offense is minus 23 points better when he sits. That's, that seems that seems <laughs> irrational. The only player that, really that, that, yeah. that managed to do worse is Facundo Campasso and Jamichael Green, the um, happy uh, like happy um, reserve unit from Denver, which is giving nothing to um, to their team. But but hey, Jalen Green. Not good. It's so not good. hey, maybe maybe if if the the Houston's offense is twenty three points per per hundred possession better, then maybe they can split the difference. Yeah, they could. And you know, I mean, rookies just typically don't help. I mean, Josh Giddy a minus thirteen point eight on the season. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what rookies do. They lose games. Yes, that's what young yes. players do. Uh, JRE is a plus 1.4 on the season in 400 mm-hmm. minutes. Like that's, that's unusual. Yeah, that's a cheat code. It's unusual yeah. for them. Trey man, a minus one, even that's like, Oh, okay. Well, that's not so bad. Um, yeah. like Poku is still bad. Minus 3.2 Lou Dort, even because the starting lineup has really struggled. Minus 5.6 Bays minus 10.4. Yeah. Faves is minus 12.1. Teo is the worst on the team. Minus 17.6. But like, those are like nice. normal bad Play numbers, more. you know, normal bad. Yeah. Kenrich plus yeah. 10.7 in 383 possessions. Like that's significant. He has led a lot of comebacks and has been yes. in closing lineups in games that they've won. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see him gone because like, does that mean more Aaron Wiggins? Like Aaron Wiggins in 103 minutes plus 15 and a half. Yeah. That won't continue. Like that number's too big for him to, for it to Are continue. Are you sure, Andrew? I honestly, when you say that, like, yes, I'm sure. One. <laughs> number two, I, I like Aaron Wiggins. Yeah, like, me he, too. He can defend. He's got good length. He's pretty smooth on the offensive end. Yeah, he will shoot it. I'm positive. Yeah, I like I like him. I think that he he's got he's got some juice to him that I think can help him to play. And also, he's it doesn't hurt him that he's wearing 21, which just makes you think of Andre Robertson. And then you see him out there defending on the wing, and you're like, man, like he can. And I don't know if it's the number 21 or the fact that he really can defend. You know, it's probably a little bit of both, but you're just, mm-hmm. you know, there's some shades there. And then offensively, like he's no scrub. Like he can play. No, I'm, he can play. I'm, I'm a fan of him. I want to see more of him. I hope that's the outcome that we get. And also, like the fact is, like he will eventually probably be negative because rookies are negative. And. I'd like to yeah. develop. I'd like to see them develop him for a little while because there's a there is a chance that we don't see Kenrich for a little while. Um, yeah, one, I, I don't see anyone rushing him back. They're one. Well, yes, one. They're not rushing him back. Two. The ankle sprain looked pretty brutal. Yes. Um, so I think that we will see more of Wiggins. I hope that we get to see more Poku minutes. 
you know, mm-hmm. experience with Darius Baisley, Trey Mann. Point Baisley, you know, just, just show, just do whatever you can. Yeah. Trey Mann, like show, I would like to see more Trey Mann and see what yeah. he can do. Cause he's competing on the defensive end to the best of his abilities. And he's starting to understand his spots in the offense. Yeah. Which I think is the, the thing that he wasn't doing at all when he was in summer league. And then to start the season and preseason, like it was just like, he didn't like, I would be like, I'd sit there and see him and see the window for him to get his pull up. And he just wouldn't do it. And I'm like, what? Yeah. But how worried, how worried were you? How I wasn't worried. I was just like, what's going on? (laughs) It's just a matter of time. I was more confused (laughs) than I was worried. Yeah. Yeah. Confused. But I mean, sometimes you have to adjust. You have to maybe feel it out before like getting into, and and to be honest, I I, I read that Mark was happy about the 11 shots. Yes. But 11 is a tad too much. Oh, like a few, too a much. few of those. Kelly, don't, a that is bit being, you're being a party pooper right there with that, with that <laughs> comment. You're just, come on, man. Like, give yeah, me, to give me, me eight, more. eight was a good number. Like there were a few that, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm glad that Mark said, well, uh, I'm, I'm so happy. But after the 11 shots, he just bent him and, and never put him back there. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure that it was like um, a little bit, the, the, the benching was a little bit broccoli and then <laughs> yeah. gave him a, uh, whatever a skittle uh, during the press conference saying, well, uh, I benched you because those were very bad shots, but I like the number 11. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad because it is, it's showing that he's recognizing wh- like where his shots are. Yeah. And yeah, that, 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 that has he, that, 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 that thing that he made off the dribble, like sending the defender yeah. basically five feet away. Yeah, it was he created the, like crazy space. And like, that's going to yeah. be his skill is like creating space, getting shots. And yeah. can he do that consistently? Can he do it effectively? Like that's the question. And we haven't seen enough to be able to know. Um, yeah. I would love to see him moving around uh, a little bit more off ball because this is something that Giddy and Shay already struggle. And also Lou Dort yeah. is struggling a bit in like moving without ball. Uh, they, they are getting better. They are trying. I wonder if Trey Mann can can be that guy as well. I mean, the the shot will be lethal. Um, he's a very very good shooter. You can tell. I mean, the, the motion is always the same, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how uh, off balance he is. He's very good at that. Yeah. Um, but I wonder, can he be the guy who also moves the defense by just like relocating, learn how to relocate? Because I I don't think that he will be like, I don't know, 20 minutes per game, yeah. ball handling, like being the lead ball handler. So he needs to learn how to move around. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how he develops because he's either like a bench role player or he does what you're saying and he can start, like be a starting level player. And then yeah. you also kind of question, because Mark said this in, the press conference the other night was that they drafted Giddy knowing that they had the point guard slot filled. You know, like you, you basically bring in two another point guard, and then like then you then you draft Trey Man, and it's like okay, kind of what's going on here? Like, mm-hmm. I think that they drafted him with the thought of him being like a scorer off the bench. You know, yeah, which I think. You know, you need those guys. Like, you need somebody that can come off the bench and give a lift to the offense and bend yeah, change the defense of pace. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and he's different. Like, he's 
he's a lot different than a lot of the other guys on the team. And it's, inter- it's an interesting prospect. This is a really, it's an interesting team. They're a really fun team to watch. You know, I said that in the first half of the show. Like I, I really have enjoyed watching them, you know, on a night to night basis and oh, yeah. being around them. And I think that they're, it's just a fun squad. And just the thought of having them, you know, grow and the fact that Josh Giddy is this good too. You know, I don't feel, I don't feel like we can talk enough about him mm-hmm. because he really uh, bends the defense with his passing. He is, you know, big enough on the defensive end to cover multiple players. He can really move his feet. Uh, I am beyond excited for what the future, you know, looks like for him because if he does figure out the shooting stuff, then I do think that it's possible that he's, I don't know if he ever makes an all-star team, but I think that he's like borderline all-star type of guy just because of what he can do on the court. And like the shooting, like, the shooting is a giant if it's a really yes. big one because like everybody loves to compare him to Ricky Rubio. Like Rubio never figured out a shot beyond a standstill three, you know? Yeah. And is he like, he's a very impactful player. He was very helpful to the jazz. He's been helpful to Cleveland. Not so much last year for the wolves, but like it's the wolves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think that, you know, there there does become a tipping point where it's like like Josh is going to be helpful. I think that that's already clear to be seen that he's going to be a helpful player. But can he be something beyond that? Is a is a big question, and it will all like his his pivot point will be shooting. Like, what is he? Is he good? Yeah, yeah. Or you need to construct um, a different team around him, like a team that that basically moves continuously. Yeah. And then he will not be like, uh, it's bad to go always back to the Warriors, but yeah. it's not that great that Draymond Green is shooting the basketball. Like he's just not. And I mean, yeah. I don't think that there is any difference between Draymond Green and, and Giddy in terms of uh, shooting. I mean, they are no, right no, now Giddy. Same. same stuff. Yeah. Same Guys stuff. that can take a shot. If it's open, it may go in, but... Mm. Roughly, it's not a shot that you want to take necessarily. Yeah. Um, but the point is, when you have elite shooters that can move around, and that, that is why I was talking about Trey Mann, and, and probably we're offline, we were discussing about shooting, shooting, shooting. You, ha- you need to have someone that that bends the defense with just movement. Yeah. If, if you give Giddy that guy, yeah, like even if he doesn't shoot the basketball, it's... Like you could already tell that in in a, in a in a span of a of a quarter, he was able to adjust to trapping a little bit more, mm-hmm. like every single time. Mm-hmm. And it was like a Gobert trapping, not 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 like the easiest one. Yeah. But you could see like like trying to anticipate the move. But the problem is on the opposite corner there is either Lou Dort or Darius Basley. Yeah. Not great shooters, so the defense will not leave Giddy to close out on a corner three for Lou Dort. No, for Basley. Maybe, maybe once the pass is done, they will close out. Yeah. But before, no. On Basley, they will not even bother to close out. They will just box out Giddy. So, if you change this a little bit, and you have Ty Jerome in that corner or Mike Muscala, you already see that the, the floor changes. And hey, those are average player in the league. I mean, Muscala, Kenrich, and 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 Ty Jerome are nice player. But average player, 
like mm -hmm. get a guy that is Joe Harris and put him there yeah. with Giddy. Yeah. And again, Joe Harris is a pretty good shooter, but he's not an elite. It's not Clay Thompson. We are not talking about Clay Thompson or Steph. Yeah, nice yeah. to have, of course, but give Giddy and Shea one, two, very, very good shooters. Yeah. And you will see things changing, even if the shot, the, the shot, the gravity of the shot is not there for Giddy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. And the fact that Giddy can get downhill and find somebody too, like that Draymond's more of like quarterbacking from the elbow type of stuff. Yes. That's what he's really good at and setting screens. And like, I mean, he does. I mean, I love Draymond Green. Like he's very, I mean, very good offensive player and not a great shooter. Giddy's different. Like Giddy can score. Like Giddy can go get his own bucket and is not yes. afraid to do so. Um, and he can get downhill. He can pass off the move. He can pass on the break. Like he can do just so many things. And like, it's just, and it's hard. Like he's so hard to talk about comps with because like you want to try to give people a feel for what we're talking about. But like Rubio's not a great comp for him. Draymond's not a great comp for him. Even like Ben Simmons is somebody people talk about. Like Ben's not a good comp for him either. Mm -hmm. um, no. You know, because offensively. I mean, if if Ben had the the mindset of Josh, like Ben is probably still playing in Philadelphia, he would have taken that dunk. He would have done a lot of things. You know? Oh yeah, like, oh yeah. Giddy's like, not afraid. Giddy is, and I and I love it because <laughs> nor was see, nor was Ben a couple of years ago. Something something really happened with him. Um, yeah, but he's I mean, never the guy, been, he's never been. Josh has a, and we're gonna see it more and more as we continue to go with Josh. Like he's got like this attitude about him on the court where like he really does think he's like the man. And he's really yeah. he does his best to fit in and really wants things to work. You know, I I asked him after I think the what was this Washington? No, it wasn't Washington. After one of yeah, maybe it was Washington. After the game, um no, it wasn't. Sorry. It was after a game but Shea didn't play. Sorry, it's all running together for me. Shea wasn't yeah, in Utah. Lineup. Yeah against Utah. And I asked him, you know, are you, is it easier for you to figure out, you know, where you're at, you know, without Shea out there because you get to have the ball in like the closing moments of the game and get, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> this is, it's way easier for me to know where I'm at without him there. But he said, he said, I want to play with Shea for a long time. And like, they wanted to be a nice save. Nice save. Yeah. Josh. Yeah. Really great. Nice hey, great media training, Matt. You guys have really, you've done it. You did a good job. That was great. <laughs> um, and Giddy, by the way, I sent a quick aside, like Giddy is like such a pro when it comes to like talking to the media. Like he's not, he's not afraid in any situation. Like he's comfortable. He's confident. He knows what to do. And some of that probably comes with like playing pro in Australia and mm -hmm. his parents being who they are. Like his parents being like professional basketball players themselves. Like, yeah, you have to be ready for all of these things, you know. But anyways, um, Josh wants to fit in with Shay and wants it to work and is doing whatever he can to make it work, which is it's just cool to see. Like, it's just cool yes. to see a group that's all they're all pulling on the same rope at the same time. And yeah, especially Shay, I would say. Especially Shay, which is a, which is a huge deal because that's been the question all along. It's like, is Shay going to want to stick around for this? Is Shay going to be patient enough? Like, what? 
They're wasting Shay's career, yada, yada, yada. Like, Shay could be a star player. Like, if you were on Houston or something, I, I mean, he could average 28 points a game. Like, I have no doubt yep. about that. He would rather pull back a little bit and try to fit with this group because, like, he wants to win a title someday. Like, he wants to be, yeah. like, the one of the main focal points of a title-winning team. And, you know, I think that Sam and his team are doing whatever they can to make that happen. And yeah. I think that he is completely on board with what they want to do. And, like, wants Josh to get better. He wants Lou to get better. He wants Baisley to get better. Like, he wants all these guys to get better around him, and it shows, which is... It's a, it's just a huge deal organizationally. The culture, I mean, the difference between them and Houston is dramatic. I mean, we haven't even touched on the John Wall stuff. I assume that Alex and I will talk about that Wednesday. But mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm sure glad that we got to see the news, you know, come across Twitter today about, you know, Kemba not being in the rotation in New York and it not being something here. <laughs> You know, where it's like he can't play, like we can't play him here anymore, or like Kemba's mad that he's not going to get to play, or whatever. Like, it's just nice to not have a mess like that yeah. here. And that they did go through with the buyout. Yeah, we paid a hefty, we paid a hefty, we like OKC paid a hefty price. Yeah. Um, but the but but it's better than having the media circus of the job oh, wall stuff now. Yeah. Like if you ask oh, yeah. <laughs> you ask Sam, like would you rather spend this much of your cap when you're still this much under, or would you rather have some sort of media circus or even do the even do the Horford thing again? Like I, I think that this team is just like you know we're not. We, I don't know that they feel this way or not. My guess would be that. And I would sit down and take a look at the situation and say, I don't want to do the Horford thing again. Like, I'm not going to do that again. Like, that was having to explain that away and then have it being like, that's going to stick with the team for a long time, the Horford thing. Like, it's going to stick with them for a while. It will be some, it will be a touchstone that we go back in five years. If the, if the Thunder are contending, we're going to be like, remember when they just sent Al Horford home because they were just done. done with him like remember yeah. that you know that's and so you don't want to like you you'd rather just go through with the buyout and end kind of end the transaction you know yeah. carousel with that contract anyway so um all right mckelly anything else before we go well um i'm just ready for the christian would take over tonight let's do it that come is- on christian you can do this you can beat this Thunder Christian team. Wood versus JRE, the matchup that we all anticipated to see. <laughs> right. Night on one. <laughs> November the 29th. Oh, man. Maybe we even get to see some Dort Giant Dort tonight. And oh, that's another great thing about this team. Now, why, that, why do you have to make me sad thinking about favors? No, I mean, it's just, to me, it's still just strange. Like, acknowledge the Dort Giant Dort Thunder. Acknowledge it. Do something on social media. Make a video. Do something, bef- like you are wasting a valuable moment in Thunder history. You're just letting it go down the toilet. You're watching it go down the toilet, and I am really mad about it. I, I every time that I step into the arena and there is no Dort giant Dort video up on the jumbotron, or even an acknowledgement tweet about the two, mm-hmm. like, it is you are wasting massive, massive resources here that are just being, they're just being, it's just right there in front of you. It's easy. Grab it, take it, run with it, please. All right. 
Hope you guys enjoy these Thunder games. Enjoy your week. And we will talk to you guys again. Make the shirt, Andrew. Yeah, we got to make the Dort Giant Dort shirt. We could put that up on... Yeah, Brandon. Brandon Land, if you're listening. We got to uh, make a Dort Giant Dort t-shirt. Even if it's just for me. I don't care if anybody likes it. I'd wear the Dort Giant Dort all the time. All right, let me go to the chat real quick. Two minutes. Uh, John Murphy, Evan Christian, Chad Scott, The Fluky from Germany... Uh, Falk from Denmark, Dude Buffet, who's in his dad's house, Rod Gilman, Tommaso Ferrero, uh, Nice Ike, Mike, Big Mike in Z is here, Way Johnson One, Alex Bullerjack is here, Brighton Schmidt, what's up, dude? Uh, let's see, Blue Diamond Gem is here, David, Joe, Joe Mama is here. Andrew, when will we get the new intro? I'm actually, I'm workshopping some some stuff right now. I'm hoping to have it, you know, before Christmas, at least. Uh, Jack Cole, Hoopstock69, Augusto Sarmento is here. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of y'all's day. Talk again on Wednesday.